Padfoot, narrated by Noelle Zingarella of hpfanfictalk.com, rated for mature audiences. The sun was beating down on Sirius, where he lay on the sandy shores of Olon. Although it had been several weeks since he'd arrived in Ecuador, he still found it quite disconcerting sometimes. Well, most of the time. Feeling the sun on his skin, having regular access to food and water... Not to mention living as a human instead of a dog. Honestly, he was sometimes convinced this was all a dream, that he was going to wake up in some damp cave. Or worse, back in Azkaban. It hadn't happened yet, though, so he was almost convinced it was real. Almost. Peter. He was trying very hard not to think of Peter. The feelings it brought up were unpleasant enough to make him physically uncomfortable. The anger was still there. He was sure it always would be. But underneath it, there was ever-mounting guilt and shame. What he'd said to Harry was true. He'd as good as killed James and Lily with his stupid plan to switch the secret keeper. He should have noticed how suspicious Peter was acting. He should never have suspected Remus. He should have accepted that he was the obvious choice for Secret Keeper and just taken whatever precautions were necessary instead of trying to maneuver around it. Most of all, when all was said and done, he should never have gone after Peter. He should have gone home, or maybe gone to find Remus, begged for forgiveness. And then he should have fought Dumbledore. He should have gotten Harry back, or at least tried. He'd just... he'd given up without even trying. He'd failed James as a friend, and then he'd turned right around and failed as a godfather. It was his fault, his, that Harry had grown up with his racist fucking aunt and uncle. It was his fault that he'd grown up abused and unloved. And then he'd finally broken out of Azkaban, and he'd had Peter in his grasp, and he'd... he'd let him get away. And the way he'd acted in front of Harry that night, he'd scared the shit out of him. He'd fucking broken his friend's leg. He'd been so caught up in anger and revenge that he hadn't even stopped to consider the impact of his actions. As usual. The more distance he got from the whole debacle, the more ashamed he felt. But he was trying not to dwell on it. He was trying, for the first time in more than a decade, to look forward. To think about the future. His future. Harry's future. Dumbledore had sworn he'd look for Peter, that he'd bring him to justice, and Sirius trusted Dumbledore about as far as he could throw him, but he couldn't risk being sent back to Azkaban, or, for that matter, being kissed. For now, he just had to lay low. It was killing him that he'd had to leave Harry behind to be sent back to the Dursleys again. For the briefest moment, he'd thought he'd get to take him home. Not that he actually had a home to take him to, per se. He had, as it turned out, a house but he wanted nothing to do with it, and he certainly didn't want to take Harry there. But the best thing he could do for Harry, right then, was stay put until his name was cleared. All of this was running through his head as he lay stretched out on the beach, partially in the shade of a palm tree. 
The whole scene was the picture of relaxation, but Sirius couldn't relax at all. He was just considering packing it in for the day, heading back to the cabin he was renting, and maybe trying, and probably failing, to get some sleep. When something caught his eye on the horizon, he squinted. It looked like an owl, which meant it might be a message from back home. He tried not to get too excited. He wasn't exactly an expert bird watcher, and even if it was an owl, he'd learned in his first few paranoid weeks here that Ecuador was full of them. As it got closer, though, it became clear that it was headed straight for him, and had a letter attached to one leg. It landed on a piece of driftwood a few feet away from him and hooted softly. As soon as he detached the scroll it was carrying, it flew off again, presumably to find food, leaving Sirius to settle back down on the sand and read the message. Dear Sirius, you told me to keep you posted on what's happening at Hogwarts, so here goes. I don't know if you've heard, but the Triwizard Tournament's happening this year, and on Saturday night I got picked as a fourth champion. I don't know who put my name in the Goblet of Fire, because I didn't. The other Hogwarts champion is Cedric Diggory from Hufflepuff. Hope you're okay, and Buckbeak, Harry. For a long moment after Sirius finished reading, all he could do was stare at the piece of parchment in his hands. It, it didn't make any sense. The Triwizard Tournament? They discontinued that centuries ago. And if they decided to revive it for whatever reason, there was no way in hell they were just going to let a 14-year-old compete. Now certainly, when he and James had been 14, they would have loved to have been Triwizard Champions. But now at Merlin 34, he's glad that in such a hypothetical situation, adults wouldn't have allowed it. Add to that the fact that someone else had apparently not only entered Harry's name which was highly alarming in and of itself, regardless of whether Harry was made to compete, but also somehow forced a second Hogwarts champion, and there was just no way this was going to be allowed to move forward. Except, except Harry's letter hadn't mentioned anything about the decision being reviewed, or assurances from Dumbledore. Nothing. It just said he was one of the champions. Lost in thought and trying not to panic, Sirius got to his feet and strode off down the beach towards his cabin. He needed to get in touch with the headmaster himself. Upon reaching the tiny building in which he was staying, he quickly gave Buckbeak, tethered behind a fence near the door and charmed to look like a particularly wild and frightening horse to anyone walking by, a bow, which the Hippogriff returned without hesitation. As soon as he entered, he made a beeline for the kitchen counter, snatched up a pen, flipped over Harry's letter, and scrawled a short note on the other side. What the hell is going on? You can't let this happen. Just to be safe, he burned his name off the front of the letter in Buckbeak's too. Then he signed it with a paw print and went off to find a bird to send it with. By some stroke of luck, he found the Hogwarts owl that Harry had sent feasting on a bat. He could have found a toucan or something, but it was too conspicuous for something like this. And he'd found that many of the local owls were less than cooperative. With the, note, with the note sent, there was nothing for him to do but wait for a response. And that, he could barely stand it. He spent the next four days in a haze of worry and impatience, alternating between sitting on the beach, staring at the horizon, and pacing around his cabin. He knew logically that it would take the bird at least a few days to get back to Scotland, and then Dumbledore's response would take another few days to arrive here. 
But that didn't stop him from watching and pacing and waiting. He couldn't help but feel useless. All he wanted was to keep Harry safe. And instead, he was stuck in Ecuador with no idea what was going on and no way to help, even if he did. On the fifth day, he dragged himself out of bed in the morning after yet another almost sleepless night and went to feed Buckbeak. He spent a little longer than usual with the creature, stroking his flank absentmindedly while he ate, examining him for any signs that the enchantment might be wearing off. It gave him something to think about besides Harry's safety and Dumbledore's reply. When he went back inside, though, Dumbledore himself was standing in the middle of the cabin's single room. Sirius stopped in his tracks. The sight of the headmaster was so unexpected that for a minute all he could do was stare. Then, when his voice finally came back to him, what he heard himself say was, A fucking course you know where I am. Sirius, said Dumbledore mildly. Good morning. Guessing you got my message then? A few hours ago, yes. And? And? Dumbledore repeated. He's not competing, right? Dumbledore sighed, clasping his hands together in front of himself. I'm afraid it's not that simple. What's not that simple? He's 14 years old. There's no way he can compete in the Triwizard Tournament. Which, what the hell, by the way, whose idea was it to resurrect the Triwizard Tournament? I assure you that every precaution will be in place, said Dumbledore, blatantly ignoring both of Sirius's questions. We've come a long way since 1792, Sirius. He's a child, said Sirius in disbelief. Once the Goblet of Fire has chosen a champion, it can't be undone. Dumbledore replied in that overly patient tone that Sirius had always hated. I'm afraid my hands are tied. Harry has no choice but to compete, and we have no choice but to let him. What's the point of being the most powerful wizard in the world if you can't overrule a cup? Sirius shot back in exasperation. There was no way this could be happening. It was very possible, even likely, that Harry's name had been entered by someone who intended to harm him. And all they'd had to do was... was put a piece of paper in a magic goblet? Everything was just going to continue as planned, and Sirius was expected to go along with it? James wouldn't want this for him, he pressed on, somehow managing to keep his voice steady. He would never have let this happen. James would have had as little to say in the matter as you or I do right now. An icy tone was starting to creep into Dumbledore's voice. We had measures in place to prevent underage students from entering the tournament, but apparently someone was able to circumvent them. This turn of events is certainly unfortunate, and that someone tampered with the goblet is disturbing, but the fact remains that those who are chosen as champions must compete. None of this was at all reassuring. In fact, Sirius was properly angry now. He turned away from Dumbledore and started pacing, tugging his fingers through his hair in frustration. So that's it? He snapped. Someone else put his name in the goblet, you know. Someone's trying to get him hurt, maybe even get him killed, and we're just supposed to sit back and let them? A fourth contestant, an unwilling participant. The fact that he's 14 goddamn years old, none of it matters! He just has to compete whatever insane tasks you're giving him and try not to die? Yes, Dumbledore said simply. He looks so goddamn calm, it was unbearable. At least, if you've got to have him compete because of some magical contract with the cup, can't he just go through the motions? 
It can all be above board. You can make sure everybody knows he's not. Not only would the other headmasters not allow it, they are already furious that Hogwarts has two champions. But if whoever submitted his name is involved in the tournament, they would undoubtedly sabotage that plan, said Dumbledore with finality. As I said, there are safeguards in place. If Harry or any other contestant is in serious danger, he will be pulled out of the task. He looked at Sirius sternly over his glasses, and Sirius stared back, feeling quite sure that his incredulity must be written all over his face. This whole thing was... It was completely insane, but it was obvious that Dumbledore wasn't going to budge. I'm merely asking you to trust me. I promise Harry will not come to any harm. The headmaster looked at him impassively for a few more moments before pulling a pocket watch out of his robes, breaking Sirius's gaze to glance down at it. If you'll excuse me, he said imperiously, I'm afraid I have to be elsewhere. Do feel free to owl me again if you have any further questions. With that, he turned on his heel and strode out of the cabin. Almost as soon as the door was shut behind him, Sirius heard a telltale pop as he disapparated. For a long time, Sirius just stood there, his eyes fixed on the cabin door as all of the nonsense and the obvious contradictions in what Dumbledore had just told him tumbled around in his head. If whoever had it out for Harry could sabotage a plan to have him go through the motions, what was preventing them from sabotaging the safeguards as well? Especially since they'd already managed to tamper with the goblet. And if they got really desperate, what if they just went out after him outside the confines of the tournament tasks? Who was behind all this? And why were they doing it? Was Dumbledore trying to figure it out? How could the headmaster possibly promise him that Harry would be safe when he was in so much danger and no one seemed willing to do anything about it. The longer he stood there, the clearer it became that he had to go back. Harry had needed him before, many times, and he'd been locked away, unable to so much as give him advice or comfort when he needed it. Now that he was free, there was no way in hell he could live with himself if he stayed in Ecuador and lounged on the beach while Harry was in danger. Going back was risky, but it was a risk he had to take. Besides, it had been months. The manhunt for him had to have calmed down, at least a little by now. He'd go back to living as Padfoot. He'd shelter in caves. He'd eat rats if he had to. But he wouldn't fail his godson. Not again.